Hi, and welcome to Space Brains. It's episode 97, and we're talking about science fiction film Jung E. Came out in 2023. Hi, and welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey, and this is Mark. Hiya, it's episode 97, and we're talking about science fiction film Jung E. Came out in 2023. Uh, in this episode, we'll reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of narrative and film language, plus a nice deep dive into a specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing. Jung E. It's a Korean film written and directed by Yeon Sang-ho. You might recognise him from the awesome film, which we haven't actually done on Space Brains, Train to Bazaar, which uh, just came out a few years ago. Big smash hit, re- kind of reuniting the uh, zombie films in a new way. Well, this is his follow-up film. This is not a sequel or anything, but, it, you know, it's him following up his filmmaking career with another interesting Science fiction. Well, although there film. is a sequel to Train to Bazaar. Well, there is, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> but um, this isn't it. This isn't it, and we're not talking about that either. We should do it. If you enjoyed that film, you may also enjoy his sort of take on more of a real uh, artificial intelligence science fiction film. But before we go on, this is your spoiler warning. We're going to talk warning. all about this film. We're not going to hold back. No. Nope. So go back and watch warning, the film. Warning, 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 warning. And then tune in <laughs> and listen to us prattle on. So Jung E is set in a post-apocalyptic near future. Uh, a researcher at an artificial intelligence lab leads the effort to end a civil war by cloning the brain of a heroic soldier, which also happens to be her late mother. What was your number one takeaway from Jung E? Sorry. My number one takeaway is that in the future, when we can upload our brains, mm. we'll be able to sell use of those brains. <laughs> yeah. And one of the first uses will be for porn. Yes, that's right. Invariably, I, we will be sex bots. We will be all sex bots. <laughs> if you can't afford version, what was it called in this? Was it A, B, and C? A, B, and C. I loved it. It was like literally, if you're wealthy, you're A. No, you won't be porn. B, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit of porn. C, you're just porn. Yep. You're just C. C. You're either going to be a kill bot or a porn star. <laughs> or a porn star. Yeah, it's just the one or the other. I, I I liked that take in that as a small part of this film that it was just you know it was great uh, class culture wasn't it? It you revealed know, it was like that, the horror I think yeah. because on one hand you're going uh, her mother is being gonna gonna be programmed or used to program soldier bots yeah. to fight a war. But you, you can kind of think that's kind of glorious, a little bit honourable. Yeah. You know, it's like could. this is going to be stopping the war. This is going to be the thing that saves us and, you know, ends this war and conflict. And all that. So, and you kind of, you go, it's, it's a bit terrible that, that she's being um, exploited for violence. Mm. But then, of course, war finishes. What else... Could a famous, good-looking hero woman be used for? Mm. Sex bots. Sex bots. <laughs> Why not? Of course. And, of course, you know, there will be um, companies that will do that. They, yeah. they won't. They'll go, oh, there's dollars in that. Mm. We can't sell her as a weapon anymore. Let's sell her as a weapon. Yeah, and, and just the principle of, you know, you 
being uploaded to their system. It's kind of the the it's the terms and the conditions that we have currently. So, mm. You know, you sign up to social media, you sign up to some website, or you know, you want to access some sort of thing, and they want to know everything about you. You know, the privacy kind of stuff, the data that we hand over, and the payoff is we get access to this piece of technology. And yeah, in this case, it's kind of taking that to that real horrific extreme of, well, yeah, we'll keep your loved one alive, but you're giving us permission to use their identity they, as in any way possible. They will just be a commodity because yes. A, you have full citizenship rights. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're a full person. Yeah. B, you're, uh, you're your own entity. Mm. But you're not really seen as you don't yeah. have all the human capabilities, no. and so you're not given all the human responsibilities and yeah. rights. But you know, it's it's, and I think B would probably be not so bad, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably, I think maybe alluding there to the middle class mm. existence. You know, if if we're going to go A, B, and C, is a little bit of freedom, upper, upper bit class of restrictions. Yeah, you've got power, you've got freedom, mm. you can have children, you can vote. Yeah, uh, B. You know, you can you can have a job, yeah, and you can do most stuff. You're probably not going to get just killed for the fun of it. Yeah, you're a bit protected. Yeah, yeah, you're a bit protected there, but probably only so, as so far as private property is protected. Yeah, and see, you're just a commodity. Yeah, to be traded. Yep, and used, exploited. Yeah, which which I'm pretty way. sure they're trying to indicate is <laughs> you know it's a um, you know that's the lowest rung of society. Yeah. Agreed. It's a good little, um, probably a little nod to 1984 again, isn't it? That kind of real evil side of the future technology. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't think of it either at at the time when they said, see, you could be, you know, used and exploited and copied and sold and studied. Mm. Because at the moment you can, uh, when you die, you can leave your body to science, Mm. as it were. Yeah. Could you imagine you leave your body to science and they turn it into an animatronic Puppet show, you know, like, <laughs> that's right. Like, yeah, that's that's not that's, the principle of it, is it? But yeah. yeah, but they could. They could. You've signed over. Yeah, I have signed over too. Actually. Yeah. So t- tell me then, uh, was this hope, warning, or an experiment? I think at the end it's a hope. So um, it's, I, I think it's a weird hope. It's but a, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's a funny hope. I think if you kind of take the whole principle, the the daughter and the mother relationship. You know, and, and she, she at the end of the day, you know, we, we just talked about that commodity idea. She, the daughter does save the mother. Yeah, and, she's, and there's she's a deeper, rescued. Yeah, and there's a deeper emotional reason there. But I think the I think ultimately the, the daughter character is representing humanity in a way. You know, like we, we, we want to go further afield. We want to push the barriers. Mm. And that's a bit negative. It's got negative connotations. But I think when it came to the crux of it, when they were going to then shut everything down, it, it became more, well, what do we do with this artificial intelligence? You know, like it shouldn't just be a sex spot. It shouldn't just be handed over. It it, it, need, it deserves more than that. So that's where the hope for me came in. When you get to right at the end, it, it's also like, oh, the robot is free in the jungle, whatever, yeah. trying to kind of like, you know, a new life, I think, is what he was probably symbolising with the way this film ends. Yeah, I think it's kind of hopeful. Hope, to yeah. me. I was I was hopeful at the end. It, it actually, this film was an interesting feeling for me. I think I really felt for her. I think he he's created a character here probably a little bit like District 9, How what happens to our <laughs> Victus how he becomes the prawn and we, we feel for the prawns, you know, yes. like 
I think it's similar here. Like I think he's given AI a very emotional connection and then we follow that through. And if you really do follow it, by the end of it, I was I was quite invested in this AI, AI see, character. What I found know? funny though, or you know, when I say it's a weird kind of hope, is that it's usually the other maternal or the paternal uh, protection of the child yeah. that is, you know, and the, the sacrifice of the parent. Yes. But in this case, it it's was the, the sacrifice of the child for mm. her parent, which is, yeah. I don't know, is this a Korean, more Korean view on things? Because Could be. she has this guilt, the, the Dr. Yun or whatever, mm. I think, she has this guilt over her mother's death and she feels that her mother was only in this war fighting mm. to be able to afford her surgeries. Yeah. Uh, which... In the end, the cancer has come back anyway. Yeah. And so it's almost for nothing. And so she purges her memory from her mother. Mm. And like as a parent, I'm going, no, I, I don't ever want to forget my children. Mm. That's a horrifying thought. But for we're, we're taking it from the point of view of this daughter who mm. thinks that I'm giving my mother freedom. Mm. Except, you know, it's like freedom to be something other than a mother. Yeah. Which is interesting as well because it's like, you know, she's a an artificial intelligence in a robot body. She's mm. like, I don't think she's given birth to any more children. Yeah. So clearly that's not her purpose, which is, you know, in many Western cinema sort of traditions, it's the other way around where it's the, always the, other way around, the purpose yeah. of the parent is to have the child, whether, yeah. whether it be the father trying to protect the kids because the mother's gone or the mother trying to protect the kids because the father's gone or mm. however you want to look at it. And so when I got to the end, you know, I had that a, a weird mixed response thinking, mm. ah, it's good that, you know, Jung E has gained her freedom. But then I'm going at the cost of, you know, she clearly loved her daughter mm. so much that she was willing to go to war and fight constantly to try and save her. Yeah. Now she doesn't have that. You can like, have you robbed her of something important? Mm. Or have you in fact gifted her? Now she can, as you said, redefine, start again, go like, well, now I can be something other than that. I yeah, can. I don't have to and be. And who knows what I'm going to be? It's thing. my future is wide open. Yeah. Which is, uh, I think, what the uh, director was going for, yeah. the writer was going for there is that. Um, but I think, I think it's also is this mixed feeling that where it's sort of like, yeah, it's kind of good that they're free, but. It's weird that the daughter sacrificed herself for the parent. Mm. That's unusual. Yep. Pretty cool. I don't know Korean culture enough, so we'd need to know a little bit more about that. But in some, you know, and again, I'm sort of like broad brushstrokes here, but in, you know, like some Asian cultures, it is the child, the children look after the parents, you know, mm. and they, they, you know, to even the point, like I know of some customs in uh, Vietnam, uh, in China, where like on wedding days, the people getting married give money to the parents yeah you know like the which is really opposite of the western culture you know it's kind of like oh no give it to the bride and groom set them up try to give them a a starting point in those cultures it can be a return in the other way like you've raised me to here i might introduce that myself yeah i think so i think for our children they should be paying us so so yeah it is an interesting one and and it's also as you're saying like if you take a hollywood film it's very non-hollywood that yeah, I mean, how many of those films has the dad or the mum, you know, sacrificed themselves to the Terminator creature, robot, I mean, whatever, even in that to survive, movie, right? I Am Mother, which yep. is about an android doing some weird experiment on humans trying to grow a new civilization yeah. or something. Yeah. That was even the mother figure sacrificing herself mm. in order to see the growth of the yeah. daughter, which yep, is, that's right. uh, yeah, it's, it'd be very interesting and I think 
it's not controversial when you see it in a Korean film because mm. the whole film carries through a, a, a feeling yep. to it and the, of differentness. Yes. But could you imagine a purely Hollywood film with mm. Angelina Jolie and, and, and who, who would be her daughter would be like, say, uh, uh, I don't know any of these actors' <laughs> names all of a sudden. Yeah, um, someone that would be young enough to be her daughter but a big enough star power. Zendaya. <laughs> Why not? Well, it could be probably someone like Jennifer Lawrence, couldn't it? Again, Jennifer Lawrence, we, yeah. We, we put her in probably. Angelina's not old enough technically, but Hollywood old enough. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood old enough. You only, yeah. only needed Asians for two years. Ten years later. And it can be either direction. Yeah, that's you right. They, either one could play the daughter. Okay, let's go with Jennifer Lawrence then because we like Jennifer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be very interesting to see see it play. It would feel really weird, I think. Yeah. In a, in a purely Western setting, having the same kind of thing going on. It is, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? So, and it, and it is a film. That's what you talk about. Hope warning experiment. It is a film that the hope side of it. I felt like by the end it was it was actually a hopeful story, but it was um yeah it was it, it, it kind of left you really thinking about it. Like it was a very legacy film. This one, yes, I think so. It's so pretty- and obviously this was your first time. What was your first impression when you kind of came out of watching it? Well, I I did get surprised that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be because mm. it starts off as a, a cyber action mm. fighting robots. This war is going on. It even sets it up saying that there's this civil war mm. and we open up with Jung E waking up and fighting robots and yeah. all the rest of it through. And even when it's revealed that's a simulation, mm. I still kind of think, oh, okay, um, you know, we're going to see. We're going to go back the, to war, the evolution you know. of this this android woman up to fighting the war, and then she'll mm. discover her humanity or something rather. Yeah, but, yeah. but it, it sort of took that little turn. So I was it, it kept me interested because I thought, oh well, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to be able to sustain the action well enough. Mm. Um, you know how that's going to work out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, then it, it took a turn, and so I was, I was surprised and delighted. Oh, well, this is nice. It's that's good. It's gone on to this a different view with strange quirky characters and it's explained why that director is quirky is because yeah he's a robot himself <laughs> yes. which is which gives me a bit of a the whole blade runner feel you know they do this mm. ethics test yeah, yeah and uh you know it's it's kind of an interesting little twist that the what's the the, the board chairman or whatever his name mm. the director is is the director's father in a way yes yes it's that's kind of interesting the way it was a this... good little sneak trick, wasn't it? That the I don't even know what he was the commander or the manager. I don't know what you he call was him. called the director. He was called the director. Yeah, the yeah. that character. He was very flamboyantly energized from the start, wasn't he? he was he was a bit of comedy relief. Yeah, he, was he was weird. He was a bit weird. He was he made some awkward uh, vibes in the silence, and and I think the thing was it was. In hindsight, once we realise he's a robot, you you realise, yeah, it was weird human antics, but I think it was he was deliberately very animated to kind of like fool us that, oh, no, he's a human because he's so animated. Yes. He can't be a robot. You yeah, know? wouldn't have a robot acting no, quite like, so But then weird. when it is revealed that he's like that, uh, that he is a robot, it's like, oh, yeah, no, I always thought he was a bit weird. That explains it. He wasn't quite programmed properly. Because then we see the 
director of household products mm. or whatever it is. And she comes in and she's also weird. Yeah, she is and weird. And quirky. Yeah. And then she actually make, makes it quip. Oh, oh, they made one of you, you know, yeah. like, you know, which sort of uh, gave me a hint there. I thought, oh, what made one like him? What? Mm. But, yeah, that, that was funny then that she came along was also, it's almost like the whole upper management is made up of these sort of weird, yeah, weird. quirky, you know, um, eccentric robots, and and it was funny because I like where he was super weird is very early in the film when he's like tomorrow the military are coming the military are coming we're going to put on the lobsters and the whatever right like and he does it and he was kind of narrating what you expect people to be like in those scenes and like mm. the, yeah it is important these guys fund us we need to be over the top we need to be and it felt like. Okay, no, he's all right. Like he's just trying to do his job properly. He's taking yeah. this really seriously, you know. But no, turns out he was a f- false start for the overall CEO of the big company or whatever mm. it is. Yeah, yeah. So it was good. And did you have any science fictiony elements that you liked in this? Ah, oh, there was quite a few. I thought. I thought. Um, well, I thought the idea of artificial intelligence in this is pretty cool. Like mm-hmm. the the way that we've seen quite a few films that we've looked at as space brains. Um, I liked that. I liked how they recreated her her body. How it was only kind of like the chest and the brain. I, like as in, I thought that was interesting. That that's what they were focused on. I also think like oh, it made a lot of sense that there's a war being waged that, oh, here's this epic commander mm. and we they took her brain, you know, and they tried to like, oh, this will be the answer to solve this war as if we just build a whole bunch of robots that are like this commander, you know, yeah. you know, so you could imagine any commander, those famous commanders in human history, imagine if you could take their brain and turn them into a thousand robots, you know. So yeah, I thought it was quite. There was quite a bit that simulation that they ran, uh, the way that that ran as well. We saw the simulation in reality, you know, in the version that she was seeing, the computer version, and then we saw how they did it. I thought that was a really cool, yeah, like in of, the lab, how sort it was of augmented fake, reality, augmented is. reality. So yeah, there was a, there was quite a few moments. I mean, it also reminded me, you know, they tell us at the start, the context, um, what's the other Neil Plonker film that we've looked at? It was very a bit similar, Chappie, wasn't it? Chappie, uh, no, the robot. Not Chappie, the... Elysium. Um, Elysium, yeah. Yes. How we've like, the rich have kind of gone into space and on those kind of circular planet things. Yeah, and, the, the rings, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so there was a bit of similarity to that again as well. But yeah, I think there's quite a, like those little science elements, I think were really kind of sci-fi elements were embedded throughout this whole film. Yeah, and they, yeah. I'm not sure they even had human soldiers at, no. at the anymore. No, they, no. I mean, the Jung-E was just fighting robots. Yes. Oh, and that also that other big robot thing that kind of kills her. Oh, the dog um, robot The dog thing. robot. Isn't that a just a more sort of futuristic version of that Boston Dynamics thing? Yes. It was very close relative, wasn't it? It could be its older brother or something. Like, yeah. It, it looked, I was like, oh, that had, they've taken that. Like he has taken that and gone, yeah, imagine if you just like amped the shit out of that, you know, yeah, chuck yeah. some steroids at it, <laughs> which kind of made it creepier, I think. I don't yeah, know. It, yeah, it, like, it didn't have, um, like it'd be easy to do an actual animal proportions and yeah. movements. Well, you could do anything, right? Like, but it actually looked a lot more like a person 
on all yeah, fours, fours yeah. but in a slightly different, like it looked like shaped like a dog, but moved like a person shaped mm. like a dog. <laughs> If that's the way of putting it, you know, so yeah. it didn't because, you know, I've obviously seen a lot of dogs moving and they mm. don't move like that. They don't move like that, no. But a person, if you, if you look up on YouTube, what is that, roller suit or, or yes. the... Yeah, 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 the, the, you're right, yeah. The wheel suit. like kind of like rollerblades in the elbows. Yeah, the guy, the he's got like, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. these weird rollerblades and it sort of uh, elongates his forearms mm. with wheels on the end and stuff so he can go on all fours and he goes down yeah. the lines. It sort of moved a bit like that. It did, didn't it? A bit like that you're saying. Yeah, very creepy. That's pretty good, pretty good. (laughs) So, yeah, plenty of sci-fi elements for me. What makes this a science fiction film then, sorry? Well, this is, of course, the classic trick of taking a, you know, a a social concept along with a, um, you know, a technological concept, but then using the fiction element Mm -hmm. to push it up to, you know, eleven. Yep. So yeah, you could just sort of say, "Hey, let's let's have a bit of a look at a mother daughter dynamic, um, where the, the the mother has sort of died and the daughter is dealing with her memories, mm. and that could be through diary entries and journals and talking with relatives and friends. Very exciting. That she TV. sort of, yeah, you know, it almost <laughs> sort of sounds more like one of these. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of movies where this is the case, where someone is through uh, clearing out the old house, it comes across these things and we get little flashbacks and visions Mm -hmm. of what's going on. And, and and through this process, you know, the, the daughter will come to terms with mother's death or something. Mm. Yeah. Whatever. Or, or she'll be empowered. You know, Reeves, uh, Sandra Bullock, the lake house, the lake house where they write letters to each other and they're not in the same time. Yeah. Something. Yeah. That's the thing, but this here they've gone, okay, well, that's kind of cool, but there's another interesting concept of what about, you know, uploading your brain to a computer Mm. and the social ramifications of that. You know, it would allow the daughter to interact more fully with her mother, Mm. but let's let's crank that up a little bit so there's different levels, A, B, and C, and, well, mum's C, of course, (laughs) and she's been used as a weapon. And then you're like, you know, so it's just kind of like um, taking this, these, these science elements, which could have been used in a far more tame, ordinary drama sense, mm. but they've gone now. Let's let's push it to an extreme level, yeah, and that will really allow us to explore some of these concepts more fully and how mm. we interact with each other in this what could be a future that we could encounter. So mm. I mean, and there's different because there's different styles of science fiction. The way you might want to do it, and this one seems to be a popular way of doing it is take your situation. And then add your science elements into it, amp them all up, see how that turns out. Mm-hmm. And it will change. Like if you took out all of the science fiction elements in this, you would end up, you wouldn't be telling this story because how could you have that ending where the mother no longer remembers the daughter and thus is free and immortal? Like, yeah. That's. You have to have some sort of science. Yeah, to that, do that's that. going to be science fiction. Like you can't yeah. do it. You could only have that one where the daughter becomes free or accepting of the situation. Definitely, definitely. Mm. So it's it's a pretty interesting thing and it's what I do like about science fiction is it allows you to go to these levels. I mean, I'd you can have subtlety, but I also like the fact that it's, you know, some elements of it aren't subtle. And I mean, what I want just springboarding off you're saying that you what you're saying there what makes this a great film is that if you you could make this a science fiction film with all those elements you've talked about, but not have the mother daughter storyline, mm. and it's just all the action. 
Yeah. But then what? what is that then? You know, what, what, what are we going on? What kind of journey? You know, the, the, the journey could be to try to make this soldier work. Yeah. But you take away the mother-daughter relationship. Yeah, you, right? you wouldn't. Like you'd lose that emotional beat, don't you? You could have a fun movie. Yeah. But it would be more of more of a summer action hit. That's right. Rather than this one, which I think has a little bit more chops, a bit more to it that allows you to sort of give it a bit of longevity, talk, talk about it. Mm. That's right. We say, yes. So what else are we doing just lately? What's been going on in the Mark Regan filmmaker world? Well, in mine, I'm continuing the um, creative point of view of writing. So I've been writing like crazy, which is really good. I've been sticking to a timetable of writing. So mm-hmm. do some writing, as I said last time, on my commuting to and from Perth. And for my day job, and also um, I've got some set time on the weekend. At the moment, I'm just sticking to all short films, so short film scripts. And I think I mentioned last episode, kind of, yeah, it was really good. I collated out. Oh, sorry. What I did was I've really have honed in what my theme that I want to, my themes that I want to talk about. And then, because for me, I get ideas come to me, flow to me, and I write them all down. But then it was like, hang on a minute. Now I know what I, what I want to focus on as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. these ideas are great, but they're not my ideas. And then these ones are my ideas. And so like I sort of did that a couple of weeks ago. And then since then I've got my little batch of, I think I've got about six short films, you know, scripts, I'm not saying it's films, but, and then I've just been actually honing them. So I'm actually like writing them all out one, you know, one by one. So um, as inspiration strikes, grab one, start typing, right, right, right. And um, yeah, it's going quite good actually. So it will be interesting probably then in a couple of weeks to then sort of decide, okay, that one, I should make that one. Mm. Yeah. And interesting enough, before even watching this film, one of them is about a sex bot. Oh. Yeah. So who knows? Watch out, Jungie. Hey. <laughs> How about yourself? Anything in the study? Uh, no sex bots land for me, No sex box for you. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, primarily this I'll past... I'll get my credit card out. <laughs> this past sort of, uh, you know, 10 days or, or a couple of weeks, I've, I've, I finally managed to get myself some COVID, which oh, is... It's a sci-fi. Oh, I've finally done it. Yeah. You're, you're a laggard, as they say, don't oh, they, in I the tech world? <laughs> I avoided it for three and a half years. They don't so. even test it anymore, do they? No, they don't no, even no, have it's... the testing clinics, and you yeah. get it now. Yeah, I get it now. But yeah. uh, So I've sort of been sleeping a fair bit. But having said that, uh, I did manage to make use of some AI image generation to mm-hmm. come up with a logo for my son's web design business. Cool. And I, I can definitely see the you know high paid good graphic designers who've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, because of yeah, they, they've got artistic touch and vision, and you know the subtlety to turn uh, an idea from something that's kind of cool into something that's really good. Yeah, yeah. But the $5, $10, Fiverr jobs that mm. you, you get on there, yeah, uh, yeah. there's no point. Because I, I just jumped onto one of these image generation places, started giving some prompts about some logo designs, came up with about four or five logo designs, sat down, my son picked out the ones he liked the best. Mm-hmm. I just refined it a little bit with some image you know, software. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the world's greatest logo, but it looks like a logo and it mm-hmm. does the job and it didn't cost us anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's crazy, you know, yeah. that's, that's a great way of getting started. You know, down the track, we could hand it over to someone and, and pay a couple thousand dollars and, and get it, you know, 
seduced. Mm. But for the time being, that was pretty good. It was pretty fun, actually. Um, it was great to show my son how to do that as well. Yeah, so yeah that for sure. He could realize that you don't have to be a good artist to be able to get something. Because hmm. that's that's always been the barrier. It's uh, it's came down with things like Photoshop and things where you could kind of, you know, start using line drawings and mm. fills and airbrushes and stuff. And uh, now it's just that extra step now where you can you can say, give us a logo of a dinosaur skull. Yeah, and yeah. you go, oh yeah, that's pretty good. I'll yep. just tidy that up and put some text on it and yeah. well there we go we have a logo and i think the thing the, it's a good lesson to say to anyone out there that you can just start but you know you can just begin now that there's some of those accessibility barriers mm. whether whether ai is the answer or not like in what you're just even saying but the accessibility barrier you know even things like canva now versus photoshop you know like it wasn't that long ago that you had to kind of know Photoshop and InDesign to create a logo. Yeah. Now, even in something like Canva, you you could come up with a logo yourself. Oh, you know, yeah. And you sure. don't have to know, you don't have to be, you know, a tech whiz in Adobe. You know, you can just kind of play around in Canva and it's very much more user-friendly, I suppose, oh, is what yeah. I'm getting to. And there's just not that same level of... De- is, it, is it going to be as professional as Adobe? No. But is it is it good enough? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good enough to get you going <laughs> so, because half yeah. the time... That's why you just you just want to get going. You got yeah, to get you got to get some movement. So if you sit there for months trying to come up with a logo, yeah. then are you really doing anything? Or if you think you need, oh, I need to spend five thousand dollars at a graphic designer. Sure, you spend that money, you're going to get something amazing. You know, talented graphic well, designers. But you do you need that five thousand? dollars Well, this is the no. other thing, though. Yeah. Of course, is from the AI prompts to come up with some basic logos and so forth. Now you you might actually have a better idea of what your image looks like, and you might well go, my initial ideas are really rubbish. Yeah. And had you gone five grand graphic designer, they'd be maybe they're just working with your initial ideas and they, they, they're, they're trying yeah. to polish a turd. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you get to play around with a bit of AI image generation, a bit of you know manipulation, photo you manipulation, can smell stuff, that turd a mile. You away. <laughs> could end up going there, going oh, that just doesn't work. That's or right. you might go, yeah, that's kind of the essence of what I want, but I I want it to look cool yeah yeah. and so you could take that design to someone who actually knows what they're doing and say hey what do you think you know like these are the sorts of colors and ideas and shapes i'm looking for and then you know the designer can probably go ah i can work from this yes that's right now and now it's not just sort of you know they're not working directly from the text prompts you're giving you know it's about the vibe (laughs) Yeah, i want some like a cool vibe with some (laughs) hip colors Uh, okay (laughs) i'll try to be cool and hip Giving me nightmares is kind of my and there's bits of that in my current job of people telling me they want things like that and I'm like stop it give me more direction <laughs> I need more direction well, we'll just make it pop yeah that's right I'm okay yeah yeah it, can, we need it to be more modern yes yeah okay modern but that could mean like a million things Come like on, retro modern, modern? Yeah, like, yeah. Do you look like uh, an anyway Apple I won't go down that path yeah. I don't need to go down that path but anyway yes we also have the film festival the film festival Ooh. yes We've now got some we locked do. in We names. have announcements. So we have, of course, a, a writing workshop. This is going to be a two-hour-long hands-on effort. So you're mm. going to actually be... If you turn up to this, you'll be getting a trained and experienced writing instructor. Ooh. He's written numerous works, both fantasy and science fiction. Mm. He works at the university 
teaching, writing, yeah. of all things. So he knows how to do these things. You read his bio, it's incredible. It's, it's an incredible He's bio. done a whole heap of stuff. Yeah, uh, recently released a, a and uh, what do they call it? A, a compilation or an aggregation or a <laughs> what do you what are those anthology anthology, that's an anthology that's right. of yeah. um, science fiction and dark fantasy sort of mm, stuff exciting which is really exciting and that's Stephen Deadman mm. he's a local WA writer and teacher and science fiction fan mm. uh, he'll be doing the writing workshop yep. so if you came along last year. You would have gotten some great tips and stuff from Samantha Murray. This year, you're going to get a chance to exercise some of your writing skills. Yeah, exciting. Uh, We we are just going to have a hands-on podcasting. So we had a bit of a technical taste last time. This time, there's going to be a bit of a bit of recording, a bit of editing, a bit of uh, you know uploading. We're going to see how the whole thing actually works. Yep. Then we've got our red carpet affair, and we have a keynote speaker. Who do we have as our keynote speaker before the screenings? We have sci-fi feature filmmaker Luke Spark. Luke Spark. So coming all the way over from Queensland, jetting in on his spaceship. Presumably. (laughs) Hopefully. Be a lot cheaper if it is. Um, And, yeah, I'm I'm super excited about this. So he's, he's had a couple of... He's got the Occupation series. He's got a feature film that's in post right now that starred uh, Barry Pepper and Sam Neill. That's more of a gangster kind of film, I believe. Yep. Uh, but he's in the works with a Netflix series. Oh, yeah, uh, I think he's got two different Netflix yeah, he's series got happen, something. So. I'd love to hear more about it when yeah, it comes over. Yeah, me too. Over, It'd be but, uh, he's got something to do with... So he's doing adaptation of a book series. Yeah. So this is a bit it's of a science sci-fi. fiction. Yeah, it's a, it's a book about soldiers in Vietnam that then come across dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Yeah, so, and that's based on a novel, a, a sci-fi novel, novel series. So if you're... If that kind of tweaks your interest, definitely tweaks me. It's like, oh, okay, that sounds... And Netflix have signed up for that apparently. Um, and there's another series he's doing as well, which kind of just eludes me. But, yeah, the, so yeah, there's a lot. And, and the next Occupation film is also coming. The interesting so, thing here, yeah. so we had uh, we had um, Ben Young yep. last year. He went from uh, getting noticed for a music video basically, mm-hmm. then doing an Australian you know, screen government funded yep. film, which won some awards. And from that, Hollywood took notice yep. and signed him up to do Extinction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's, he's gone down that to get to Hollywood sort of direction. Yep. Luke Spark has gone self-funded independent. So yeah, yeah. he had his own um, movie prop and uh, production aid company. Yep. And through that, he's had contacts. Yeah. And then he's managed to raise investment from private yeah. Investors, yeah, yeah. so he's not had government or Hollywood input, no. and he managed to get um, occupation done. Yeah, which was you know that's that's a it's a pretty cool low budget Australian science fiction yeah, it's film. An amazing, like, one, really. it's not what you're used to seeing from Australia. No, no. And then big. Occupation Rainfall, which is the sequel, which yeah. is like that's the budget has multiplied. Yeah, and the special effects on that. Which is just amazing. It's yep. it's it pays homage to things like Independence Day and Star Wars yeah. and uh, any number of those sort of big exciting films. Yeah. Uh, but again, that was independently raised funding that he's mm. come up with. So he hasn't gone down the Hollywood production path. No. He's done his own production funding. So I'd love to hear about. Hopefully, we'll hear a bit yeah, about yeah. that. It's got a lot of private backing now. I think mm. a lot of guy, a lot of well, I shouldn't say guys, but a lot of investors that. 
it, it sounds like they're just interested in the next thing he wants to do and they're throwing money at him. Because well, as long as he keeps making profit Yeah, for that's him. right. He's returning their investment and so they're really interested and, and, and now he's got Netflix on board. And so, yeah, there's, there's it, it, as you've just identified, it's a different pathway to being a filmmaker. So he's taken a different journey to get to that stage and... I think really for him, 2023 is a massive year. Like it's, oh, it's, yes. a, it's sort of a culmination of maybe five, seven, eight years of really working all of those other things himself that now it, the, 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 yeah, his career is really rolling. So um, we're lucky enough that he's agreed to, to pop into Perth for a couple of days and yeah. come to the festival and give us this uh, 30 minute kind of keynote. Hopefully there'll be a bit of question and answer time and, and he's just going to partake in the, the film festival uh, on the night. So we're and excited about he's that. He's been on an earlier episode as well. He so has. if you go back. Ooh, a long year time ago, <laughs> year and a half or so ago. Oh, I think it might have been longer than 2020, that. Twenty twenty, yeah. October, twenty twenty. Yeah, that yeah. sort of time, sometime like that. Yeah, yeah, Occupation Rainfall had just come out. Like, yes. the, like the pre-release right. preview <clears throat> had mm. came out during uh, that Halloween festival thing going on, film yeah. festival. Anyway, so go check that interview out. Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. It's quite interesting there to hear his his desire to create or, or be one of the foundation members of the Australian science fiction mm. uh, epic film <laughs> producers, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely like, I mean, and that's the thing, the next occupation, they just announced a couple of big actors from the States are going to be in the next one. And so that sounds like it's all, you know, rolling ahead. So it's exciting stuff for him. Indeed it is. For the Australian sci-fi anyway, scene. He will be at the film festival. He will be. Doing a whole um, talk before the screenings. Yep. And then we have the screenings. Uh, and then we have some awards. Awards. And then we all high five and say, heck yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> heck yeah. H-E double hockey stick. Yeah. Yeah. Because apparently we're all PG at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. So let's get into this plot. Because we, <laughs> sure we do. do. Like, we'll talk about Jung E. So we'll get uh, a bit of a discussion going on about the f- narrative structure, some sort of filmmaking techniques. We're going to look at any symbolism, camera and lighting, sound, editing, the way things go on in films. We will. Uh, so we, I mentioned Yeon Sang Ho is the writer and the director. Um, knowing from Train from Train to Bazan is, is a big film that he made a couple of years ago. This film stars Kang So Ying, uh, Kim Hain Jun, and Rai Kuyan Sung, <laughs> something like that. Apologies, terrible. Um, if, if, a, if a Korean speaker would like yeah, to come on board, I'd love you to come on board and pronounce, with that yeah, pronounce some of that. You know, hey, <coughs> uh, we can barely a, say English names. Yeah, I can. English, yeah, so. I won't actually do that. I was going to give them more nicknames and I don't think that's appropriate. Uh, this film was distributed by Netflix, uh, filmed and created in South Korea. It is in Korean, so either get subtitles going or those voiceover, <laughs> I think, Netflix offers. Um, I saw this and I was a bit excited to begin with, but it has a $20 billion, a $20 billion Korean dollar budget. Is it Korean? Uh, I don't know what their money is actually oh, now. One. One, yes. Okay, there you go. Which then I think is sixteen point three, roughly US. So a little bit lower, but that's actually quite a healthy budget. That's decent. With some of these previous films, we looked at with like yeah. five, six million. 
Done really well. And again, you said occupation. I believe the first one was that sort of $4 million budget, whereas the sequel was fifteen. So this is sort of a similar kind of budget to the sequel yes. of occupation. Um, so probably a very healthy budget to deal with. Um, I believe, uh, yeah, so, so you know, working with it and you can see it, um, I mean, look, these kind of films now is the same with something like Occupation. I mean, they're matching what we get out of Hollywood, aren't they? Like yeah. the special effects, the acting, you know, things like the music, the sets, the lighting. You know, we're not – I mean, you're not seeing anything different from my point of view. And I'm looking at a lot of these things quite closely and yeah. I think, wow, that's – you know, so 15 16 $17 million, I think you're going to get a pretty good film from I, it. I think the only difference is, I suppose, the scope of the – Computer effects. That so if, there, you, yeah. if you're looking at like a Marvel film, yeah. you'll have like some big thing swirling through a whole crowd of people with mm. multiple heroes jumping about the place yeah. doing things. In in this one, you'll get one person fighting two or three robots at yeah. a time. But you, know, you set the scene where the person's in a smallish space with a couple of robots yeah. and that's all you're going to be able to fit. doesn't matter how yeah, many millions of dollars right. you throw at it. That's right. You're really only going to be able to do the two. So, so long as you don't try to introduce, you know, a continent shattering effect yeah, with multiple right. gods walking yeah, titan like across its surface, it. you're fine. Yeah, and I mean, we get this in, and I know from like more lower budget and, you know, we might have seen it with Space Brains Festival last year, but, you know, like... A lot of those special effects, which this film's full of it, it's about the computer being able to render those effects and the budget of either time, like yeah. we need six months to budget to render these effects, or you need a team of people working on computers to get that those effects up to Something that's acceptable. And you say, again, you say Marvel, it's like, yeah, well, they can have a team of IT specialists in a room of the latest, you know, computing technology and they give them six months to do that. You know, I still remember if you really take that first uh, CGI was Jurassic Park Mm. and the story is, you know, Spielberg was, and I think her name's Kathleen Turner, is a long-standing producer with Spielberg of most of Spielberg's films. You know, they they were invited to this place and shown the render, just the the sort of skeleton of a T-Rex stomping. Yeah. Like walking in a in a motion, you can probably see this on YouTube. I presume I saw it on a documentary, but you know, and it's just, and that's all they showed him. And he was just like, "Wow, we can we can use this in a film." And they gave them enough money, and they gave them twelve months to just build that. Mm. You know, so they 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 gave them the seed money as a company to go off and build the T Rex for twelve months. And so this is what we mean, like you know, an independent filmmaker doesn't have that kind of money in their back pocket to time, etc. you know, so time and computer processing power. So that's what you're up against if you try to compare it to a Marvel movie is like that sort of budgeting of computing power, isn't it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but I'm always impressed. I, I think this, and I will say, and we'll come to it in a minute, the start of this I thought was really fantastic. Like I thought it was a real punch in the face, the start of this. It, it really showed some pretty cool um, special effects and also... Uh, camera work, which I'll come to in a minute, like in that opening segment, it pulled me in in an interesting way. So we'll come back to that in a moment. 
So with narrative, we do like to break all of these narratives down. I think we can kind of say, hey, it's a three-act structure. It's been around for a really long time. You've got a first act, second act, third act, beginning, middle, end, <laughs> set up. Oh, here's the setup. What happens in the middle of the setup because we've set it up and how do we climax that? How do we resolve the the question the film is asking? And these are based on what a lot of good story and script writing teachers talk about, people like Campbell, Snyder, McPhee and Field, just to name a few, uh, that talk about these key moments. So what happens in Act 1, sorry? Act 1 is always the setup. Oh. It's Well, it's two things. There's the setup and introduction... And then it's the uh, inciting incident which kicks the story along. So the setup and introduction, we're going to meet characters, we're going to meet the world, and then we're going to see what the day-to-day life is, supposedly, allegedly, is of the starting point of the movie. At some point, about 12 minutes, could be 15 minutes. No. Somewhere in that region. (laughs) You're going to end up with uh, an event that occurs or starts occurring which changes the status quo. It introduces the um, point of the movie. It's the point where as the audience you go, ah, okay, this is what I expect this movie to progress like. Mm. You know, and you we call it the inciting incident or sometimes the catalyst. So we might, for example, have a uh, a woman who wakes up one day and you know finds that all of her subscriptions to Netflix, oh my God, uh, internet, power bills and everything, have all just all just cancelled. Oh, no. And she tries to look it up. She has no identity. Oh, no. Like, she's not on any record. She's, she's lost her wallet. Mm. She doesn't even have her driver's license or anything like that. And whenever she goes in anywhere, no one can, can find her. See, mm. that's the inside incident, isn't it? Because you're going, uh, walking around day to day where she does a few things. Oh, I've got to pay that bill. I've got to do this. I've got to call this person. Oh, work keeps calling me about something or other. Next day she wakes up. All of that stops, mm, and no she's one knows and she she's is. left. And we go as the audience. We're going, oh, what is she going to do about this? How is she going to get her identity back? Yeah, because she's supposed to, you know, fly across the country to meet her husband, who has just come back from war, mm. uh, you know, and is in a, a hospital on the other side of the country. You know, so that's this big emotional thing that you, you've got to do. How is she going to do it? And indeed, we'll have a little debate there. She'll go, oh, do I just, like, give up? Do I sit here and really try to convince people to talk to me? Or do I just throw all that to the wind and just make my best way across the other side of the country, you know, try mm-hmm. to get airplane tickets because, you know, you've got no ID, mm-hmm. maybe rent a car, but how are you going to do that? Yeah. Perhaps she's got to make friends with people, uh, you know, and... She decides to do that because that's the debate. Yeah. Will she, won't she? Yes, she will because we want the film, which gives us this break into two. And act two, what's that all about? Well, it's playing out the whole scenario that you've just set up or any film sets up is, okay, we've had this catalyst moment where the characters debated, they've decided to go on this journey and then now that's what we're doing. We're going on the journey. So that's what we might call the fun and games or, you know, the actual play out of the story, the middle bit, the chunky stuff, the interesting stuff. We want to know what is going on with this character. So 
if she's now decided I'm going to get to my, I have to get to my husband, stuff bureaucracy, I'm not going to sit here and wait for them to find my ID, <clears throat> um, she goes on the journey. She does. Now, I would say straight away from what you've told me, she ain't getting on a plane and she ain't getting on a train and she ain't getting on a renting and no. a car. So it's not trains, planes and automobiles. It's like now she's going to have to get across the country the old-fashioned way. And I suppose this is where if we went back, maybe in the setup, you find out that she's a bit of an introvert and she's someone that doesn't trust people and she's someone that, I don't know, always works by herself, right? Because then now in the fun and games, the only way she's going to get across the country is basically making friends with people. And trusting them. And I think I think she's going to have to probably decide to do something a little bit maybe technological maybe maybe she's going to she goes you know what part of her job is she works with troubled teens okay because it's always good to have a little sidekick involved here yeah and you can't just have someone who's just really capable and knows everything troubled teens she remembers one troubled teen that she worked with this uh young man who is a bit of a hacker oh right and so she's gone hey my identity's been deleted and I need to get onto, you know, a train or an aeroplane or something, brother. I'm going to go see if this guy can help. And so we get a bit of a B story going here where mm. she meets this guy who doesn't want to help, but, you know, she has been trying to help him. Mm. Um, and when she explains what's happened, he's intrigued just by the challenge of it. Yeah. At the moment, he's not really interested in doing good for anyone mm. he's more interested in going hang on someone has just done something that i don't think can be done yeah how's this going to happen and so we're going to have like a bit of a buddy story as they they travel it's along a battle, buddy travel he's he's gonna be initially trying to do illegal stuff yeah like nicking stuff and scamming things and she stuff. doesn't want to do and that. she's going no no you can't do that in most of it and and you're going to have you you Fun and games, yeah. isn't it? It's like it could even be humorous, or it yeah. could be quite serious. Um, but you're going to get this midpoint where it seems like, oh, they managed to get on board a train, say, mm. and the travelling, and it seems like they've had a victory. And that's that's your midpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, the travelling along on this train, apparently, it's just going to, cru- you know, smooth sailing. Yeah, they're going to make it to the husband, no problems. Yes, but it doesn't happen, does no, it? No, it's not going to happen. No, we no. we get a we get a down point. Well, maybe because he's been inventing, uh, you know, some of these humorous little tweaks around the law that, well, I don't know, FBI, the national security have actually been tracing it, and well, they're going to stop the train, and they're going to bo- you know they're going to board it, aren't they? Looking for these two. I, I think and, particularly because she's of interest. Yeah, yeah, and well, this is the thing. They also know why her identity was wiped in the first place. Whether it was them or not, who knows? But yeah, so they're going to have to get off the train because that's the end of that journey and get there some other way. And maybe this is where, as I said before, they've got to kind of lean on the fact that she doesn't normally talk to people outside of her zone, but she has to. So at a truck stop, she befriends a truckie for a ride. You know, yeah, and you know they go on that, they go on that, and that's fine. But the again, the FBI are just kind of sitting on their tail, aren't they? In helicopters or a tail. The truckie kicks them out. Yep, truckie know. kicks them out after we... the hacker tried to hack the truck or something. Something oh, like yeah. that. He goes too far, right? Like he's got to go a bit too far. Yeah, you know, as the audience, you're sitting there waiting for him to go a little bit too far each yeah. time. He goes yeah. a bit too far, hacks the truck, it crashes. Yep. 
the truck driver's not dead or anything, no, but no, no. you know, he's got a banged head and there's blood coming out. There's clearly in his hospital. Damage the truck. But the helicopter's coming to Yeah, coming. you know, the, the black unmarked helicopter's flying in. That's right. They gotta run for it. Mm. Uh this is the bad this is the bad guys closing in because we had it kind of smooth sailing after the midpoint, and then after the midpoint, it's like everything is gonna start failing. Bad guys literally yeah. or figuratively will be closing in. And we're going to get to the point where the two of them are in a culvert by the road and it's pouring rain outside, of course. And so yeah. there's this water rushing through here, but they manage to get into the culvert and they think, oh, it didn't. And then all the rats come through and yeah. this is kind of. And well, actually, what happens then is the key FBI guy. Oh. He's there. He's already there in the tunnel. And he, he says to her, you come with me and I can tell you all the answers. Uh, and the hacker guy goes, don't go with them. Uh, you yeah. know, it's a trick. And so she, again, she's at this real bottom per- And he's like, I can take you to your husband. I can take you right there. We've got the oh, helicopter out here. But FBI guys can think, that, that guy there is actually a wanted terrorist. Yeah, that's right. So do you want to go down with he, him or you come with us? You and remember course, that You know, remember that, that plane crash yeah. that happened? Yeah. And this is where, was, I don't know, hacking, they've got to, right? you know, so they, they, she's at this bottom of the pit, right? Like, mm. that's the thing. So, and, it, you know, the, the devil, it's the devil on the shoulder, isn't it? And the hacker's like, well, I've got nothing to offer you except for we can maybe, you know, he's realised on his GPS that there's a little escape route because there's rats here. There's a way out another yeah, way. rats must be going somewhere. Must be going somewhere. So trust me or don't trust me. And so she has obviously trusts the hacker. Has to trust the hacker. Yeah, and, and and in doing that, then you come out the other side. They do go through the rat tunnel, or whatever. Yes, <laughs> it's the fugitive. The, you know, he's jumping out of the water thing, right? Like a, too high up, impossible to survive. And kind it of looks thing. suspiciously like a dummy thrown off yeah. a cliff. <laughs> <That's> ah! right. <laughs> There's two dummies thrown off this cliff, and yes. um, but that is taking us now into Act Three, basically, because she's gone with the hacker, and she's got this and, plan. Yeah, and and maybe after that, they realise they, you know, she can see them go back. They're not the FBI. It's ah. a, it's a trick. They're not. They're they're bad guys. They're oh, whatever. Yeah. They're just like Who they're knows? the people that wiped her identity. They're, oh yes, they are. So you know, and there's something to do with her husband and the war or whatever, right? So so suddenly it's coming together. So she's on the right side. The hacker was telling the truth, and 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 so this is where at the bottom of the lake they're no longer the fake bodies. They've planned. They make a plan to get to the husband. They've got to get him out of the hospital. Yeah. Get they, away they, from these people. They're going to disguise themselves. They're going to cover that, like, as doctors. The hack is kind of learning a bit of ethics there. And, yeah, that's and right. He was. He, you can see he's, he's got the option there to you know like do something bad. Yep. Cause a cause a, a crash to give them a um, uh, you know a, a distraction. Yeah. But then he decides that he won't cause the crash, mm. and in fact he just sort of. Um, sets all the traffic lights to red rather yeah. than and so everyone stops rather than making them all green and making them all crash. Yeah. And so he's he's a bit of character development there. Yeah. And they, they rush off and they they're gonna manage to make it to the husband. Mm. Turns out uh the husband's not a real person. No. It's actually they, they get into the room where they think it is, you know, yeah, and there's like this, a like this. a sarcophagus <laughs> type thing, like you know, like a life supporting type thing. Turns out it's actually a computer. Mm. Yes. And uh she, in fact, has had a mind swap. Her mm. real identity is in the computer. 
Oh no. And she has like this secondary one, which is like uh, her cover, her deep cover. So it turns mm. out she is in fact like like a maybe she's a double agent. Mm. And this is this is a, a real blow here. It, you know, the finale where you're thinking got to the husband somehow everything's going to be all right. And in reality, her original person was going to arrest the hacker. Yes. She was undercover to actually arrest the hacker and she actually works with the bad guys. Yes. So a bit but of, now bit this of, new uh, incarnation. Recall going yeah, on. yeah, that's right. Now in this new incarnation, she doesn't want to do that. She's realising which side is she really on. Yeah, and she chooses not to re-upload so she, no, she does the it. total recall yeah that's it that's she it. keeps she actually prefers her new she identity she prefers her new identity her cover identity yeah. yeah yes and we're going to end off though not knowing whether that's her cover identity or whether they yeah we could the one in there well I was going to say that you know there's always that extra plot twist would be the extra plot twist at the end there would also be the husband is actually just like another spy like he never went to war that was all just like some sort of cover story mm. So she has to totally decide, I don't even want to be with the husband and that lifestyle, you know what I mean? And then she's with the hacker. Yes, yeah, so you're going to go freedom hacking. Freedom hacking, yeah. And Sweet. then so with that, he does, she goes, you know what, do something a little illegal and he does and they, whatever. They the vanish. hospital goes into <laughs> meltdown and they escape. Not hurting anyone, but just, no, no, just the lights, on that line. The lights light. dim down and go yeah. on red. And, and like they a, vanish like alarms. a magician. <laughs> and, off the, and off they rush. Yeah, yeah there, yeah, okay. And it's a bit like, you know, the Matrix at the end. Like, I, we're here to reveal you to the rest of humanity. Ah, okay. That's how they're going to get everyone. I, I, think, I think we might need to work a little bit on some yeah. of those plot points there. And maybe there. introduce things there. there. But, but you can see where these, these act, acts the beats and are beats are going. Yes. <laughs> Very good. So let's, let's talk about... This story. Yeah, Zhong Yi. We're going into Zhong Yi. We have an opening image in this opening scene, which we sort of mentioned a bit. This is where Zhong uh, Yi... Let, let me get... Just have a look at that. We have a oh, battlefield of destroyed robots. Yes. And then as a sleeping human. We do. Eyes closed and eyes open. And this is a, a popular... I mean, it's sort of a cliche to have a character waking up as yeah. a start of film. But on the other hand, it's also a nice symbol or metaphor is that her eyes are closed mm. and she opens them into this world. Yep. And at the end, she's her eyes are open. She's staring out at the horizon. She's yeah. standing up. She's fully awake. Yeah. And so that's kind of that... That, that bookends, yeah. Bookends we have here. So yeah. in this one, it's destroyed robots. We don't know that this is just a simulation at this point. No. Uh, and we just straight into this action of this woman doing this amazing fight with yeah. robots Great shooting fight. them. Uh, she's got to get a fuel rod or something rather, yeah. and has to then you know smash this robot down to get a shot at the battery pack There's on his the back. The weird creepy dog robot. Yeah, thing. weird creepy dog robot. And then she she goes lines up for the shot, but then she's like distracted by like a little little keyring dolly, yeah. Yeah. and that distraction is just long enough for a robot to then shoot her hand and her fingers. She looks at her fingers, and there's like sparks come out because she's. Yeah. She's a robot. A robot. Yeah. And that's when the the simulation stops at this point. Yeah. Which is quite good. It's very exciting, um, you know, opener to the film. Yeah, I wanted to say, like, in terms of film language, uh, that scene to me really stood out. It's a a little bit similar to, you know, the Matrix doing their 360 camera stuff. Like, I'm not saying it's revolutional filmmaking here, but like that was with the Matrix. But there's definitely, to me, and interested to know how you felt but it's like 
it really drew me into that scene and the way that the camera work zoned around. I mean, I'm not a massive computer game player, but it felt like a computer game. Mm. You know, it felt like this first point of shooter stuff. The way the action was when she fought the robots, the way she jumped around, the way the camera moved with her. Uh, I think it was really kind of a very cool action scene, you know. Like, again, we get quite often these things, don't we, like out of stuff like Japanese anime or Korean cinema in this case or Nigerian cinema that suddenly someone does something like that where the action is really ramped up. Mm. Now, I'm not watching all the latest action, so I don't really know. I might be a little bit out of touch here, but it was a real high-impact action opener. What I liked also is it, it cut it off before it got boring. Yes. Because yeah. there's plenty of action films that I've seen where the action sequence of the sword fight or whatever is... Goes on and the on. The lightsaber fight, yeah. it just goes on and you sit there like, you, you know, you're almost like checking your watch. You know, how long is this yeah, going to... Yeah. Do we have like another two minutes of this back and forth? Like superhero movies get this to yeah. all the time with the two indestructible creatures fighting and you're like... Okay, we, we get the idea. Can we move on to yeah. something else? But yeah. this one here is quite good because it, it got to that revved up to the high point, mm. and then she wasn't just sort of shot, but it was revealed that she's some sort of a robot, yeah. which surprises her. Surprised me. And surprised as her. audiences who go, oh, oh, actually no, she's the robot. Yeah. That was an exciting entry, and now there's an exciting twist, and yep. you go, oh, okay, so what's the next part of this film? I want to know what the next bit is. It was yep. a very good sort of lead in. And to me that, and we've been told some texts, to me that's basically then the catalyst is that she is a robot. So it's like then brought into the lab and we see that she is a robot and is a test simulation. To me that's the catalyst. Yeah, and I thought, um, because I was wondering, uh, I always ask myself this question as the audience members, like what what am I expecting this film to be about? Mm. And so during the opening scenes, I was sort of expecting it to be a war film. Yeah, war. The bit where it really changed was when they presented to to the military. Mm. So it's still up to that point. You're still kind of going, oh, yeah, it's it's going to be that. But when it was revealed that the lead scientist was the daughter, Mm. that that was enough of a difference there. Like that, the that I think was the the completion of the catalyst for me. Was like. Ah, okay. So, what's going to happen here? Is is how is this daughter, mother, war hero, robot go to war? This is. I want to see how this turns out. So that's yeah. that's where I want to see in in part two, you know, in act two, if you like. And and I guess that's the thing that the debate then was: does the daughter keep experimenting? You know, because the other scientists is very much like. Terminated, next one, next robot, you know. Yes. And we have a sequence where the you see the brain kind of being built, right, like yeah. by the robots and stuff. And so, yeah, the question there is like, oh, does the daughter keep experimenting on the mother? Yeah, is this, you know, how many of these versions are, is she going to go through? Is it, or is she kind of looking for a particular version mm. of this that's, yeah, yeah. you know, her real mother is she looking for? Yeah, it was, it was interesting also to know, uh, I guess the the circumstances of how this mother became a robot mm. and why she's doing any of this. So yeah, there's well, a lot to go through. Yeah, and to me, like even they're presenting to this those military for funding, you know, more funding, more funding, and they raised a couple of, you know, well, she lost in real life. Mm. How is this AI supposed to win? You know, and so I, it was a really interesting kind of question to me. Was the debate there that? 
yeah, should you go on with this experiment? You know, yeah, like could and, a could an AI win where a human can't, or can he? Does it take a human? Or does it learn and then therefore it does become smarter and then mm. once you do it, like I guess that was their original intention, that's the experiment. So, yeah, it was kind of a very clear, to me it was a very clear-cut like debate of do you keep doing this? And and we kind of get the impression that for the daughter there's more to it. Like that's what's sort of being led there that she's motivated a bit differently. But everyone else is more like oh, you know, she was a great warrior and, you know, she, if she could defeat the mercenaries, then, you know, all the robots could, it could save us. So there was kind of like the driving force. But there was also then that question, like we saw, once she shot off her finger, she was she was shocked, like it was horror that mm. she's a robot. And so then you're asking the ethical question, aren't you? It's like, how ethical is this to put this woman through even if it's just a simulation, like every simulation she's going through, it's like a nightmare, isn't it? It's yeah. a reoccurring nightmare for this person. So do you go ahead? And the answer is, well, yeah, we do go ahead. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep pushing forward because we want to see Act 2. Yeah. And Act 2 brings us in and we learn a bit more about the, the whole thing, yeah. This, the whole scenario and, and the daughter who, uh, who has to do an ethics test, which is... <clears throat> which was just straight a Blade Runner. Yeah. You know, the, my similar sort of questions. You know, you see a turtle in the desert. What do you do? <clears throat> Pardon me. That's right. Yes. And you see, you know, uh, and she's asked these various questions. And yeah. She has weird to questions. It, weird questions. <laughs> and, and she's at home and she doesn't, uh, I, I don't know, doesn't seem to be enjoying her home life. She's really just working for Chronoid, which is, I don't know, I think, I think that's a typically not, Made by a Western name, would be. Uh, Doesn't sound very pleasant, but does it? Chronoid, chronodyne. It would be a dinoid, dinoid. It's got to have the word "dine" in there somewhere. If it's if it was Western, mm. yeah. She goes along. She she does this ethics test, and you know we learn. I I believe we learn that her cancer has come back. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So we can. And sort the of, doctor is a robot. Yeah, and and then that's really cool because then yeah. the the bench pulls away and the doctor pulls back and the doctor's just a because yeah. when he was presenting it, I thought, geez, he's real matter of fact about yeah, this. Yes, and he, yes. okay, yeah, he's a robot. Just get a robot doctor, hmm. which you know clearly uh, indicates the levels of wealth here was because he he also presents the A, the B, and the C. He does, which sort of is uh, you know educating us about the mother was obviously a C because hmm. uh, and know, she, so was that doctor. And so is that doctor, I would suggest, yes. Yeah, which is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. He's... Or the whoever they thought, that looks like a good doctor. Yes. Because he might not have been a doctor. You'd imagine a doctor would be an A. Yes. But, well, in Western culture being an A, but it may be not in Korean culture. But it was like his face would be a, was someone that was a C. Yeah, and his voice. And... His voice and everything, yeah. yeah. it's kind of, Once you start to realise that, it's very creepy. But and, and I found that that, just a little note, there was a really creepy last line. He says, I, I will always be here for you. And then that's when the desk pulled away and he's a robot. Yeah. And she kind of walks away very disenchanted by it all. Yeah. She's... And I, I don't think, it, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like we say the doctor's manners, bedside, ta- you know, bedside manners and stuff. It's like... Well, yeah, a robot's not going to have that, is it? No, uh, no. It's and it's an interesting like act too because we we do see a bit more of uh, another experiment, the, the experiments and things, which is what was it hoping for? We're looking to see a bit of progress or something. And what would she in that second version? Does she get blown? What happens in that? She gets shot. Yeah. Well, she's 
she's damaged. Off. Oh yeah, they're gonna do, do a repeat, and the guy says, oh, "Well, shoot her in the leg." Yeah, that's right. Before we start, yeah, uh, and you can see, you know, Yun, I think is the doctor's name. She's like the scientist's name. She's like, I kind of a bit horrified oh, by that's that. She's just gonna shoot my mum in the leg, okay? Yeah. But they shoot her in the leg, and and they do through the process notice she doesn't win but they notice there's this other section of the brain Mm. so there's the pain and the motivation and there's this yellow section yeah which like oh maybe the yellows is is the key to this Mm. but yeah she loses that one yeah and then yeah that doesn't go well and we do we we meet the um chairman yeah don't we like and that's kind of a fun encounter there whereas the director is put on pause Mm. yeah (laughs) the blinking eye and and, because he was just carrying like a turkey and yeah. is worshipping the chairman and we meet the chairman the chairman's like uh, a weird I guess he's sort of the um, Korean version of the Musk, Bezos <laughs> you know um, Bill Gates, you know that sort of tech whiz billionaire person but there is this connotation again like because he's got his big picture on the wall which is very Propagandist. It, it looked that, very. You know, he looks younger. Communist and propaganda. He, yeah, he's younger and he's stronger. Whereas this man comes in, he's definitely older, grey hair, weaker. Yeah. The director character had been very flamboyant and over the top, but when he gets paused like that, it's a, to me it was like ah, oh, you know, like there was a real oh, okay. And he explains, oh yeah, like well, we kind of created robots already. You know, we've, we've, this is the image that I've created. That's I thought would be a winnable character. Yeah. That's from the CEO character. But he's like, well, he's not. He's a kind of annoying, right? Like, it's quite funny, that scene. Yeah, because I think the idea is that the director was uh, modelled off the chairman, mm. like, yeah. you know, to some extent. Like, yes. that was some sort of a, a template was used. Yeah. Uh, because the idea is, I guess, is the chairman has grown to become the leader of this company. So yeah. you want. His More. management to be like that as yeah, well. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe the management's a little bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. And we learn here, of course, that the experiment's coming to an end. So we're hitting midpoint yeah. area here. So we've, in fact, directly midpoint, yeah, isn't it's it? It's a it's false like, midpoint. Yeah. yeah. Just we've discovered this yellow segment of the brain. Mm. So there's like a, some sort of progress. Sort of like, oh, actually, this is what we've got to experiment on. But now, now you've only got one more experiment. Mm. We're, we're closing up. Um, the war is finished. Yep. Well, we don't need to win the war anymore. It's just, it's ended. Finally, after 40 years. And they're going to move into uh, domestic products. Yes. Which, as we learn, one of the domestic products in for her mother is a sex bot. It is. Which, for the daughter, is just horrifying. Which is a bit more bad guys closing in. Yeah, that's a bit further further on. In in that moment, it's definitely a crushing blow to her because it's like, well... Yeah, you got a couple more days of funding, maybe one more ex- chance of experiment to get your mum back. Yeah, who you knows know, what's going to happen? It's not real, you know. So to her, it's yeah, it's the end of the journey in a way. Mm. And where does she go from there? As part of them moving into this next part of the film, with the bad guys closing in, we learn that as a do- as a girl, she did have she was very sick. She had lung cancer, and to do the surgery, the only way to do that. And to pay for it was for her mum to be a, a mil, you know, join the military, and that that is that real 
poverty class scenario that we find in military, isn't it? You know, mm. they quite often it's the poor people that go and be the soldiers because it's a way out of poverty. It's you're going to get a good wage, you're going to get fed, your family might get looked after. And so this is done in a sci-fi element. And and I think it was interesting that because it, it was a bit of a, you know, a bleaker version of what we'd been shown because the mum, the mercenary, you know, she's been shown that she's a great warrior. She fought this battle all these years ago. They've, they've seen her, that she's obviously very intelligent. But then here we're being told now that, Oh, she only joined it because she had to. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't like she was a natural born killer. And and of course, once like, she that lost changes that changes it. Lost that last battle, her hero status sort of wore off a little bit. Yeah, which is really unfair because all the way up to then, it's like yeah, yeah. Public sentiment though, it can change very quickly. It can it can so yeah, it's kind of like a bit of downfalls that way, and that the only way to pay is to do this ABC thing that we talked about. So she was deemed C and they could do whatever they want with her. So again, it was like, to me, it's like another negative down. It's another bad guys close in because it's like, oh, so not only did she only join the military to help the child, but then she's died in military. And because she's a C, (laughs) they can do whatever the hell they want with her body, actually. So this is why the experiment is actually happening it's it's not anything sentimental it's it's literally there's no a, glory involved no there's no you know then like we talked about early in this episode they can just do whatever the hell they want with her body you know and okay. then that's where it goes it snowballs downwards as in well she's gonna be a sex bot she's yeah, well, gonna well, be we, a robot because we get like a, a more brutal test you know the guy uh after he, she loses the battle at time you know he's, mm. he's trying to get this yellow part of the brain stimulated so he goes up and like Cuts off her arm yeah, yeah. while she's awake and shoots her in the leg again. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Tries to get that yellow bit going. Yeah, and it's it's sort of after this when he goes away that the daughter realises that yellow was... Uh, that her mum lost that mission because she was distracted by... She saw the doll and yeah. she thought about her daughter yeah. and that's what distracted her. So the, the daughter realises that her mum didn't come back because she'd given her this... Lucky charm, as it yeah. were, yeah. Uh, which um, that, that that would be kind of heartbreaking it to, would to be. think that the reason you lost your mum is because you gave her this thing. It was yeah. your, you know, she saw it as her fault. And, and and again, she goes on then to she's she's trying to work out how she can solve this problem, and mm. she discovers she goes around to to the her fellow scientist who said that he's a real fan yep. of the mum and all the rest of it. And she goes around to his place and there's like party music going on. <laughs> And she goes in and, and finds a replica of her mum in lingerie. Yeah. And he goes, no, 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 it's not what you think. And it's like, oh, I have a feeling it is exactly what you think. <laughs> but it kind of actually wasn't what we thought. Yeah. Because it sort of was, but it was like, no, no, she's going to be a domestic yeah. unit, yeah. as it were. And this is one of the options mm. is a sex domestic unit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's probably going to be other options like, you know, um, a cleaning robot. martial arts teacher yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or or just, you know, a, a military strategy teacher or yeah. something a little bit more sensible like that. Mm. But certainly... One option is laundry. One option is, well, she's kind of popular and yeah. she was good looking. Yeah. So there's there's a certain, you know, population of the audience who will pay money for that. Yeah. Uh, and so this, as you said, this is, you know, bad guys are coming. Things are getting worse. Like the experiments are running out. The last one was quite brutal. She learnt that she was the reason for her mum's failure. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, 
I think at this point she's she's saying I think that yellow part of the brain was her, mm. and she's why her mum failed. Oh, totally. At this point, that's what she has realised. Yeah. So then it's like we're going to do this final. She pushes for one more. Yeah, and not revealing her plan, but you know, and the director's like, "Oh, we'll just get on with it. Do it." You yeah. remember, like it just it's the last day. Who cares? Let's just do one last one. And she runs the segment. And so to me, this is kind of moving into the final act because it's she has a plan. We she, don't know it, but you can tell she has some. Yeah, sort she's of confronted plan. the the death, you know, the, which is uh, finally where she sees that her mum is just a commodity. And yeah. it's like you know she loves her mum, yeah, and doesn't want to see her just in every household, you know, doing hmm. the dishes or. I don't know, working as a sex, you know, <laughs> robot. You know, like it was just, that's just kind of not what she has in her mind for her mum. No. Well, because we know through this film that even if it is just AI, there's a part of her mum that would be in every single machine, mm. right? Like the memory of being of her would be there. And so, yeah, she sets the plan to, I guess, escape. Yeah, and, and and at the end of it, like, so after, I think it was at the end of that experiment where the guy cuts the arm off and the leg and leaves her with this body, which she's supposed to terminate, but she doesn't destroy the brain. Mm. She deletes the yellow bit, yeah, which is her. Yeah. And it's, you know, the alarms go off because it's like, what's going on? This is not the right thing. Mm. And, you know, the soldiers come in, they, they get beaten up. And she swapped her brain into a fresh body, mm. uh, like just a nondescript. So it's no longer human looking. It's a humanoid, yeah. but it's no longer the human looking body. Which, That's right. Which I think is interesting. I think it's part of like part of the symbolism of her getting a fresh start. Is that Definitely. She no longer looks like she used to look. No. She's no longer that person. She's now a new new being completely. Mm. And they have this, like, yeah, she fights those robots, swaps the brain, the police come in, she escapes, like, oh, it's, you know, not the mum, the mm. mum's over there. We have that great, like, fight scene, don't we, where there's, like, ten of the mums just standing there and yeah. they're kind of, like, beating them all oh, up. There was a whole iRobot yeah, bit was, going on there. That yeah, was exactly... Yeah, it was all identical. Instead of the human walking through the robots. Yeah, the robots. It was the robots were walking through the, the <laughs> Other robots. Other robots. Yeah, <laughs> was, I thought that was a nice little sort of I twist thought it there. was too. And anyway, so they fight. They have a great fight sequence there. And then she does, she swaps the brains and, uh, you know, alludes that she's pulling out one of those robots as the police enter. Uh, again, I thought it was pretty cool. The police like plug into the video surveillance and they mm. can see that she swapped the brain. So then they're attacking them. Uh, they kind of escape onto the trains uh, and the mm. police then come down. But on the train that the mum and the daughter are on is that director. Yeah, and this because this is the reversal that you've got to have in your Act 3. So it looks like her plan has worked. Yes. She's managed to get mum out. She's deleted her memory. They're on the train. They're home free. Yeah. But no, the director's there being yeah. dick. <laughs> And so they have this fight scene in the train, you know, to the death basically, So, which is to be expected. And he wins a bit, they win a little bit, he wins more. Uh, the police come in on another train, you know, the, which was a great action yeah. sequence. So they came flying in and they attack the train. Uh, she sort of manages to get rid of them. The, the train comes off the tracks in the air as it does. And the director's kind of flung backwards and... Explodes. Yeah, explodes with the train as they're just 
escaping, right? And uh, she helps. She again helps the mum, doesn't she? At the last minute, yeah. Get the there's uh, a rope thrown kind down, of, yeah, and yeah, pulls and, her up and, and pulls her up. But but in doing that, kind of this is what we we're saying before. There's the role reversal that she's saving the mum, not the mum saving the daughter. Yeah, and and you, you know at this stage the mum doesn't know that that's her daughter. No, but she still is moral. Yeah, and so you know she protects her because this that's the correct thing to do. So yeah. it's nice to see that mum has still got a good sense of ethics going on. Mm, definitely, and and we end up with yeah like a, a nice sort of closing scene really of the mum. Was it uh, a new dawning day and yeah, she's on the mountainside looking out at the whole horizon? She does. And it's like, uh, it's a pristine wilderness she's in, which is, you know, very different to every other scene where she's been metropolitan or internal yeah, yeah. or so forth. And here she is uh, looking totally robotic, mm. no human skin on her. No. And, yeah, it's that clean slate, fresh start. Mm. And we have a voiceover with the daughter saying that she had to let her, you know, remove herself and let I her mum so, yeah. finally be free. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and that's where I was feeling that conflict of, of like, oh, okay, it's kind of cool that you've you've released this slave, mm. basically, this, this, this person who's going to be downtrodden, exploited. Mm. But it's weird that it's the daughter that did it and it wasn't the mum who mm. did wanted better for her generation. It's just yeah. that was kind of strange there. And knowing that the daughter is dying, like she's mm. probably just going to die. Yeah, it's just, it's just that's just her, and like maybe she'll be a C. Yeah, I but I think it. it was implied. I think she, I feel like earlier with the doctor and that it was implied she's not going to no. say, you know, she's not going to sign up. She's just going to die. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it was all about. Then, if you think about what you said earlier, the bookends of really the mum being locked in that prison of, mm. of like a you robot know, re- fights, robot fights, fight, 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 die, fight, you know, live, live, die, repeat. At the end, she's now free in a mountain in yeah. a new body, you know, uh, fresh start. A fresh start. Yeah. So that's the plot points. What did you guys think out there in podcast land? Did, did we hit the right plot, plot points? Is there anything that stuck out to you? Any kind of key parts? It's a pretty cool action sci-fi action sort of film but with a lot of substance with the um, mother-daughter I'd, I'd also say because it wasn't that long ago i just watched train to Bazan that obviously the filmmaker has a thing about parental and children yes. because really that film without talking about that film it is really about a father-daughter story yeah. and this film is really about a mother-daughter story you know, so and then he's just set it in these. I, I just weird about worlds. gave a spoiler for it too, but I won't. No, no, no. That's what I mean. But we won't talk about Train to no, Busan. No, it's, but it's a great but film. yeah, like that's what I mean. So it's it's a um, that he's obviously got a parental theme as well. I was talking about myself before. Of like you figure out your theme as a writer, you as a director, and you know as an artist, what is it the message you want to tell the world? And I think he obviously has a parental theme that he wants to talk about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. And then this is the vehicle that he's chosen to tell that story. And I'd actually like to invite, uh, we do have a couple Korean listeners, I happen to know. Uh, Maybe they could give us a bit of an insight into whether these features are somewhat Korean feeling uh, uh, culturally or if it's just, you know, uh, old, I'm sorry, fella. Um, yeah. Ski, um, was it you? you. <laughs> Eon. 
Yon. Yon. Elizabeth, Elizabeth struggle. Is this really sad for us? Oh, we it should, is. We should probably go take some lessons. We need on interpretations. Yeah. Yes, Yon. Uh, is or is this just purely his vision? That's because right. Because yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's the same. Even if you took Luke Spark occupation stuff, that there is an Australianism oh, in it, I right? Did, like I was going to, so I was actually going to mention Korea. This that. is probably the Korean. The Korean culture is in there, and in fact. Isn't this the beautiful thing of Netflix is that we can see oh, these Oh, yeah, you get to see these things. And if you're in Korea, you get to watch Occupation. You know what I mean? Like, this is what's great about it. Because there's something actually that got me about that other other world and also Occupation and Occupation Rainfall in particular is watching it, I realised what... Uh, I've got a bit of a feeling of, of that whole, you know, when you see representation of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, obviously we get all of the... You know, U.S. stuff. U.S. stuff. And you sort of go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But when you see one of these Australian ones where they're, they're genuinely showing Australian cultural yeah, yeah. ideas, it it feels like you yes, oh, oh, mm. you know, like, ooh. That is, um, the, that is know, the attitude the, we would the have. The way the military acted in uh, Occupation Rainfall, you know, the way that the, those interactions, the way they spoke, and that had a very distinctly Australian it feel. Did, like, yeah. I was I like, that is... Clearly not American. Like no, this, no. That, that scene would never play in any American film no. whatsoever. No. And likewise in other 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 world, I think it's called. Mm. Yeah, Ben C. Lucas. Know, other Life. Other Is Life? It? No, because yeah. no, there's a TV series called Other Life. Anyway. Other Life. Anyway, Other Life, Other World. What it would you everyone? It's Ben C. Lucas. Get yeah. in touch. Correct <laughs> us. But that one had a couple of scenes there like with security guards and things. Yes. Which were likewise, it felt really genuine to me. It did. You know, um, and I'm wondering here, Korean watches, are you getting that from this? Are you going, this feels very close to home. This is, this is the way this feels. Yeah. No. And it was other life. It was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Other life. So, um, cause we, that was the one that we did way back and yes. it's actually to move into the ladder. It's on my recommendation to watch this no. film. Well, as well, let's get into this ladder and tell us yeah. all about that. Um, so, yeah, I thought that Replicas would be an obvious one, uh, being that Replicas is kind of about the whole, you know, Replicas, yes. <laughs> the repetition of characters. And, I mean, I did think about Surrogates as well. I thought it would be another cool one to maybe watch with this one. And I thought Other Life. So, because I just felt like with Other Life in particular, you had that mystery element, which this film also has a, a bit of a mystery element going mm. on with, the mother, as I said, like there is that set up for the first half of the film that she was just this ultimate warrior and so it made sense for them to want to replicate her for the military purposes. But then as we go into the second half of the film and you realise that they're not needing her to be that anymore, that maybe she'll become a sex bot and a house slave and whatever, And but then it turns out, oh, she actually was only in the military to save her daughter. Mm. And, in fact, maybe she only died on the battle scene because she was so concerned about her daughter's surgery. Yeah. You know, and so when all of that is revealed, it, it to me that mystery, a bit similar to Other Life, that, you know, remember Other Life, she wakes up and she's not sure who she is and where she is and where she's come from. And there's just that mystery sort of side of it. And I thought also Replicas would be a really great example of, you know, films that are similar themed and similar on the, I don't know, just it's a similar feeling in those films. To me, yeah, that this film had. Okay, so I I did go for Occupation Rainfall. Yep. 
uh, I think that's coming to Netflix. Yeah. Maybe it's an American Netflix at the moment. Yeah, I think it is on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, maybe just released. Anyway, so so (coughs) check that out. But that, likewise, I thought that was um, only because it's not, uh, it's Western, but it's not Hollywood. Yeah. It's 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 got a very very fresh feel to it. Uh, I would recommend uh, Americans interested in Australian culture, maybe, Mm. or Koreans interested in Australian culture. Check out that one. Uh, And then the other side of it, I had the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless (laughs) Mind, which uh, I thought was quite good because that was also, uh, it's a similar thing except instead of erasing someone else's mind Mm. to try and save them, have a fresh start, the characters are erasing their own minds yeah, yeah, to try and save themselves and have a fresh start. And, you know, that ends with this, this like, oh, we've got this fresh start. Don't know if it's the right fresh start or mm. what's going to happen. Yes. Yeah, so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but and likewise, it's a bit of an independent, a bit of a different sort of view yeah, definitely. on the world. And so let us know where your, your latter suggestions would be or what other films do you think you should watch with this? And how about... The science, sorry. A bit of science here. So, I mean, obviously we've spoken a lot about artificial intelligences and mind Mm. uploads, but something that was interesting, I thought, and I've watched a fantastic short film called, I think it's called Slaughterbots. Mm. (laughs) So it's a a short film that is done as a presentation at a, uh, like a a military weapons expo. Right. right. And, and yeah, this guy yeah. goes up on stage and he talks about the, the latest in lethal autonomous weapon systems. And it's a, a package of little drones, <laughs> yeah. which have got little like processing units and a small explosive charge on it. Yeah. And they all network and link back to this computer and they're, they're each independently capable of, um, you know, doing facial recognition and discovery. And so what you do is you, you just fly over your area kill zone and you you drop these little drones out like thousands of them like it and they you know they, they present this package has got 500 drones in it whatever and they'll drop out and they fly around and they will you know based on the profile that you give they'll seek out individuals that meet that profile and kill them and there's like a little demonstration of one of these things hitting a dummy and it explodes and 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 obviously they're sort of saying so you know you can you can have them find the enemy combatants even if they're hiding in amongst civilians mm-hmm. yeah it'll recognize guns and uh, or other things but it, it's kind of it starts off sounding like oh yeah that that would be kind of good you know you could be very you, it's like it's like a very pinpoint accurate bomb mm. but then it starts moving to this concept though that you could dump it on civilian cities and it will hunt down those those people who exhibit the features of uh, you know undesirable <laughs> people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you start going, oh, hang on, this is getting really sinister now that you could just like have a normal metropolitan city and it's going and finds the bad guy. And I says, don't worry, they'll only target the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you start looking at that thinking, this is this is like a dystopian nightmare. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you could imagine that being proposed and Mm. and i mean it makes a lot of sense if you just sort of go yeah uh we're fighting you know this this conflict um anyone who sort of their face comes up in our list of known enemy combatants you know spot them and kill them yeah but but you're just sort of going well that's sort of power then of okay uh anyone who matches this particular type you know we don't like people who wear glasses Mm. 
So if they've got a corrective factor greater than 0.2 on their glasses <laughs> prescription, bang, they're out of here. <clears throat> you know, and it's, yeah, it, it is a truly nightmarish scenario. Yeah, for sure. But in the real world, of course, we do have lethal autonomous weapon systems and we've had them for a very long time. So the, the very earliest and simplest would be landmines mm. from the 1600s, as I think it goes back to where they, it's documented. Because mm. a landmine, uh, it doesn't require human interaction. It makes a decision whether it's going to explode or not and kill someone. Yep. The, the decision is it's like a pressure plate or you know, a trigger that you manually step on. But that's no different than facial recognition. Uh, and there's gone to sea mines as well, which is these sorts of things. Since the 1970s, our ships have had automated anti-missile systems, like a, mm-hmm. great, big, great, a great big machine gun with a radar and yep. tracking. See, they're okay. They're, there's not really, they're not really ethically a problem because you sort of go, it's, they're looking for fast-moving missiles coming into a ship. Yeah. So you... And you can, if you're getting close to land or something, you can just turn them off. Yeah. But it's highly unlikely they're going to mistake, uh, you know, a, a missile traveling at 800 kilometers per hour with a person walking around on a mm. beach, you know. Yeah. So they're, they're fine. No one's really had a problem with those. And they've worked well to defend ships from, mm. you know, missiles and artillery shells and things. And in fact, it's kind of made a lot of uh, anti-ship missiles pointless mm. because you can shoot them out of the sky. Yeah, uh, but then let's take this same concept. So a, a gun with a some detection equipment on it, sitting so it can move all by itself, identify targets, and then decide to shoot. Mm. And in going back to Korea, of course, they've got this big demilitarized zone, which is strangely named because it's actually the most militarized border in the universe. <laughs> uh, but it's it's the it's the border between. Uh, South Korea and North Korea, and it's a uh, how deep is it? Yeah, it's several kilometers deep. I don't know how far actually. Certainly, maybe like say, let's call it ten or yeah. also twenty kilometers. Like it's like it's There's fairly a deep. Zone, isn't there? It's yeah. a fairly fairly big zone where basically no one's meant to go. Mm. Like that's what they decided. Is no one from North Korea is going to come down? Like honestly, uh, you know, I'm sure the South Koreans aren't as worried as that. But the problem is the North Koreans have a very big army. Like they've, they've got a lot of soldiers. Even when you're saying, um, yeah, they're not really as well equipped, perhaps. Mm. In fact, they're definitely not as well equipped as the South yeah, Koreans. Probably a bit military as well. But, you know, it's a 10 to 1 ratio. The, the South Koreans just simply don't have enough people with enough guns yeah. to fire enough bullets to stop. Like if, if they just all started marching in, like it's, it's going to be a, an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Uh, so they've got these automated turrets. But Samsung actually made them. Uh, part, in part, uh, along with some university, I can't remember which, uh, I should have looked up which university it was. They made these turrets yep. and they, they've got a machine gun on there and a grenade launcher and an infrared scope. And they they say that humans, you know, they give a warning. They'll, they'll vocally say, hey, warning, I'm gonna, <laughs> you're not meant to be there. I'm going to shoot you. You yeah. better identify yourself. Uh, and supposedly a human operator will be brought on board and, you know, when this thing says, oh, I found someone, and then the human operator has some sort of a choice. <clears throat> but there is a mode that they can set it to, which is automatic, mm-hmm. which is basically if it detects anyone, it shoots them. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, and, and the reason they've got this is because if there were to be a land invasion, mm. you know, they can basically flip a switch and go, okay, anyone in that direction, shoot them. Yeah. Because none of them are friendly. 
and and this is sort of you sort of think well compared to a landmine it's it's a little bit better isn't it because yeah. it's at least points in a certain direction you can turn it off yeah you know where these guns are you can mm. disable them landmines they have this tendency of hiding yeah. and most people don't use them mm. although there's a few countries like america who said yeah we're going to use them anyway yeah uh they do have rules around you know mapping out where the landmines are and and being sure that they can Fine. clean up afterwards because I don't think they want to just leave landmines around the place killing people. But, yeah, the automated gun turrets, uh, they've got in Israel a similar problem. Israel is surrounded by enemies, basically. They don't have enough troops with enough guns and enough bullets. If a number of those uh, surrounding Arab nations decide to just cross the borders, they they just don't have enough people. And they've actually said that they have, they actually have manned people monitoring at all times mm. so they're not just an automated system and they don't have an autonomous mode they're always you know a remote control there's a person they're controlling it yep. and they said that they've shot a few people yeah they have been used but they said the most part what happens is there's just these sort of they're they're an armored dome until they detect something and then this this dome sort of unfolds mm. and they said that it's quite noisy and usually Anyone who sees this dome unfolding and there's like this great big <laughs> machine gun something, they surrender or, or back off or yeah. do whatever. Like they, they found that it's, it's a very good deterrent because it's quite a scary looking thing. Mm. Just having a, a gun turret suddenly reveal itself with, yeah. and start aiming towards you. You, know, you don't also because you can't see a person there. I don't think no. it's like no, please don't shoot me. It's like it's just I don't know. Yeah. Is there someone watching <laughs> me or is this thing just going to start shooting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this of course leads me to the. There are currently no bans on autonomous weapon systems. Mm. So uh, there's a lot of nations have said they don't like it and they shouldn't be used and they've mm. sort of made pledges that they're not going to do it mm. uh, because uh, the, the problems being raised are, you know, similar to landmines, I suspect. Because if you had, if you've got a turret which it sits still, that's probably not so bad because it's, it's, only got a certain range. Yep. You can disconnect its power. Yep. But if you have something that can move. Yeah, a drone. You know, you start going, okay, well, here's like this thing that's going to, and there are some automated um, or semi-automated um, tank tread-based things with a machine gun on it, mm. which they use to go in, uh, you know, maybe for mine sweeping and bombs and, and going into dangerous areas where they need to, you know, get a camera and a gun and just sort of go, hey, Yep. We're being dangerous here. But could you, you could imagine, well, though, that bit more co- computing power going on there and they do start just making their own decisions. Mm. They become like landmines. Like if they mess up, you know, and they just go rogue, yeah, you, right. you're just going to have this thing just, it's going to unerringly hit because don't be fooled by the movies where like these robots, they shoot and they just miss everything. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't. They they. they they have like you know range finders and yeah. um, depth perception and and like they will unerringly hit with their bullets. You know, yeah, that's, unless you're like a missile traveling up two times the speed of sound, you don't have a yeah. chance. Yeah, so that would be um, a concern. Another concern they have, and I've, I'm interested. I haven't thought too much about this, is but they say it re- removes a human element from the decision to kill, mm. which makes it easier to do. Except. I would have thought then wouldn't the answer be let's just don't kill anyone. Mm. But they're trying to say it becomes easier to go to war 
because you don't have to risk your soldiers. That's right. Not only physically, but mentally. Because mm. you just, as this Slaughterbots video showed, you just fly over, drop off all these drones, and you just fly off and just leave them to it. Yeah, yeah. And come back in, you know, like, you know, the battery will only last for a week or two days or something. So you just drop them all there, come back in a couple of days. The drones will have dropped out of the sky, maybe self-destructed. Um, but in the meantime, they've just sort of done a seek and destroy of anyone yep. and everything. And you're just like, yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, you can imagine Russia wouldn't invade Ukraine. I mean, even invading Ukraine, I think Russia was kind of like, do we really want to lose troops? Is that worth it? You know, yeah. Yeah. if they could have just lobbed a bunch of these killer drones over, they would have done that in a heartbeat. They would have been doing that the whole time, Mm -hmm. you know, particularly because you could just deny it. Yeah. Oh, well, we didn't do that. Terrorists or something. Mm. So anyway, that's that's an interesting application here because in Jung-E, that's what they're doing. Mm. It looks like they've got these killer robots which just Uh making their own decisions to kill. Mm. Uh, And, yeah, I I think that's quite... Terrifying. It, it also means you could just buy victory, couldn't you? Yeah, basically. Which which is the, like what people can do. I mean, like Russia, you, yeah, Ukraine have stood up to Russia more than I think anyone ever thought, but they have been funded and fueled by the, rest the, of the, world. the West of the, the rest of the world. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, they've been given weapons and stuff, but I mean, they have stood up themselves. Like they have stood up to a giant bully, basically. Um, and they, like you were just talking about, they don't have the numbers. They don't have, you know, on paper they shouldn't be, you know, standing up to them. But yeah, they've had some of those weapons given to them from the US, and mm. and and even Australia been given tanks and things. So yeah, that they've it is a money buys at all. Isn't but if it? it was, but there's always war weariness, isn't there? Because there is. you'll get to the point where the Russian people just sort of say, you just churning our kids into the mincemeat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Like, That's right. There, there's going to be some oh, point where enough robots. of them will just sort of say, well, yeah. let's just stop sending our people out. It's, yeah, just, yeah. it's not getting the effect that yeah. we wanted. But if you can just keep going to the factory, creating more killbots. That's right. You can always deal. make kill more killbots. I was just watching Futurama actually earlier and that, that scene came up. We talked about yeah. the killbots. Yeah, and you just keep sending them. Like just, you could almost have like an automated factory at yeah, that point could. where yeah. it just becomes like the, robots know, the Terminator. The, yeah, yeah. the robots just make the robots and you just point them at the other country and they just (laughs) keep rolling out until the other country just capitulates Yes, uh, because they don't have the funding to to withstand it. And your your people aren't being exposed to this warfare. So you can easily just propaganda them and say, oh, no, we're not fighting. Yeah. There's no war. But, you know, in the meantime, killbots are killbotting. Killbots are killbotting. Yeah, as they go. It is horrifying, isn't it? And, I mean, that's the thing you could have potentially... One or two Zhong Yi military warriors, their military, you know, um, combats and understanding of attack, attacking other people, and then they're controlling the killbots, right? Yeah. And so they use their intelligence uh, to go into zones and take out the enemy. But yeah. no life is risked. So I, th- I think there's there's a lot of good questions around what we should do with artificial intelligence mm, and sure. autonomous things. Because, like, I mean, I don't mind them taking my job, but I do mind them wandering the streets just killing everyone. <laughs> yeah. that, that's yeah. kind of, that's going a little bit further than what I would like mm. to see. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I did see the other day that uh, there was that Australian research paper that 
I think it's China is leading, I think, 38 of the 44 what they call future technologies. So, mm. And that includes a lot of things like artificial intelligence and et cetera. So, uh, you know, they're leading versus the US on a lot of those intelligent factors that will, you say, resources or money. Well, it's also in who invents that technology first as well, isn't it? Yeah, you get the... Uh the first mover's advantage or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, you know, even the Americans with the nuclear bomb, like once they invented that, that made them a superpower in a way, didn't it? Yeah. Like that kind of stamped their authority because anyone goes, well, if you attack them, they could de- detonate a nuclear bomb back on you. Yeah. So it's the same with these killbots ideas. Like if you knew they had killbots, you'd be like, uh, we kind of need killbots. Or yeah. what do we do if they unleash the killbots? Like, how many killbots do they actually have? Yeah. <laughs> and as you said, if you got a, if you know they've got a factory that can just churn out millions of killbots, you're like, mm, yeah, I don't think we want to fight them. Yeah, no, that's it's it changes everything, doesn't Again, it? Again, it changes everything. Yeah. yeah. So that was Jung E. Yeah. And artificial intelligent killbots. That's right. How about you? Let us know what you think. Yeah, definitely. Get in touch with us. You can check us out on our social media, the integrations. What the heck? I've got integrations in my brain. You do. Uh, Instagram. Send some AI Facebook. You can email us. You can (laughs) jump on and and find our contacts and direct message if you like. Yeah, wherever you listen to your podcast, maybe give us a review or a rating or just share with a friend. Yeah, recommend us to a friend. If if you know some people into science fiction Mm. or making films. Come to the festival. There'll be more information by the time this episode's released, so stay tuned, uh, buy a ticket, come and listen, attend the workshops and watch some cool sci-fi. And what's next episode? We're going back to 1985, which is set in the future. It's called The Quiet Earth. The Quiet Earth. It is available on Amazon if you're following along at home or other places probably, but, yeah, it is on Amazon. I definitely know that. So that will be our next episode of Space Friends. I look forward to it. I do too. See ya. Bye-bye.